Welcome to the Paving the Ways podcast. I am your host, Georgie Arabella, here for you, the radical dreamers that know there is so much more to life than the world that they were born into. We are here to inspire you with tales from those doing things their own way, to hopefully arouse you into letting go of how you think things are supposed to look and to find your own evolving path through life. I speak to leaders of love who embody and live their alternative and unique ways of thinking. So I invite you now to open your mind and heart, get comfortable, take some deep breaths, and join us in the here and now, where everything is possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Paving the Ways podcast. Today, um, our guest on the show is Chrissy Marie, who is um, an inner child energy alchemist, an advanced spiral practitioner, breathwork facilitator, and founder of the Art of the Aliveness Art of Aliveness podcast. She specialises in supporting high achieving healers and entrepreneurs rewild their inner child embrace slow living and amplify their abundance by turning their purpose work into a playground. I love all of the sound of all of that. And um, for the listeners, I met, well, I met Chrissy online in an online community and um, had a um, inner child alchemy session with her recently, which I found very um profound really for accepting myself as I am now and also parts of myself parts of my past self that I had been finding hard to accept so welcome to the show Chrissy I'm really excited to have you on thank you I'm really excited to be here yeah so um a question I love to ask guests is what a day in the life of of you could look like Mm -hmm. so if you could just give us a small insight into what that what could come up for you Mm. so generally I I get up with the sun the sun Mm. usually will wake me up (laughs) I've been finding myself in bed a little bit later because of daylight savings time now the sun is technically rising an hour later Um, but I usually get up and I love a slow morning so I love to just like putz around stretch (laughs) make some coffee. Uh, I might read a little bit. Um, Sometimes I check my phone, which I don't recommend. (laughs) Those aren't the best days. But generally, I will, my days are always different. And that's, I guess, the beauty of working for yourself is that there's a lot of change. And so I might do like a client session in the morning, or I might go for a walk or a run. I might read, I might write, um, I might sing, (laughs) I might talk to myself. Um, And then generally throughout the day, I'm either doing some version of all of that. I'm either in a client session or I'm in creation or I'm reading and consuming like a podcast. But lately I haven't been doing a lot of consumption. I've been doing more creation because I'm just finding my word lately is spaciousness, less is more. So the less I have going on in a day, the better I feel at the end of the day. Mm. 
Yeah, I find that before I used to be very like active and productive. And now, like you said about the slow mornings, I just feel like I'm in a mode of faffing. It takes me about an hour to get into the shower because I'll dance a bit and then I'll maybe sing and then I'll just flow with it. And it, it feels like everything kind of has, has become a, a beautiful dance. Mm-hmm. One thing I um, love, I love the sound of you say the art of aliveness and that's your podcast. And I, and I guess also kind of like a concept And it says in your thing, I'm just going to read it for the listeners, a real and raw exploration of exploring our life force energy through creativity, curiosity, courage, compassion and connection. Mm. I love those like five pillars of life. And I wonder how those things kind of come in through your days, through your business, through your relationships. And Mm. yeah, the curiosity is like my threshold for everything else. So when I can access curiosity, which for me is the transmission of, I call it the wonder child. It's like the element of my being that is inherently creative and appreciates the mystery of life and loves the unknown and adventure. And she, she's not subscribing to the other parts of me that have been conditioned over the course of adolescence and school years to feel like she needs to know everything and things need to be routine and predictable. So when I can access curiosity, when I choose to access it, um, it creates an openness in my body and a sense of safety in my body that allows me to then connect and to relate to other people. And for me, you know, curiosity is the dance with the divine. It's saying, yes, I'm going to dance with the divine. I'm going to marinate in the mystery. I'm going to be okay with saying, I don't know. And even get excited for the learning process of daily life. And when that is my inner landscape, everything else, I just have so much more energy for everybody and everything else. And so I tend to, the way I access curiosity, I guess, like practically is um, I just, oh gosh, there's so many different little rivers or channels in which I kind of go to that space. But I have a practice of like, just saying like, oh, isn't that interesting? When I notice myself doing something or saying something, I'll ask myself questions. I'll be like, what's underneath that? And what's underneath that? And for me, I've been leaning deeper into asking questions versus making statements. That's a pretty good ratio for me to like determine whether or not I'm living in curiosity. It's like, what's the ratio of how many questions I ask a day versus how many things I say with conviction? Like, I think that I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh Yeah, it's almost like as soon as I think I know, I like to remind myself, actually, you don't know because sometimes the knowing it can feel good because you think oh I've sussed it I've come to the conclusion now I'm wise but actually it's almost uh, can be a hindrance because when you know you can become stuck in in the statement rather than living in the question and and it's like the only thing I can speak with certainty certainty on and even not not even from this perspective but I can speak from personal perspective and say like this is my current experience mm-hmm. and I know this to be true 
but I can't speak for anybody else, you know? For, so from a place of curiosity, I can have compassion for other people because I'm not assuming their experience. I'm not guessing what they're thinking or what their intention is. I'm literally just like, oh, I don't know, actually, let me ask mm. and develop a connection. Mm-hmm. And I do that with clients too. I'm very much with clients. It's like, I don't know what you need, but I think together in this conversation, we can get a little bit closer to opening up your intuition and your sense of what's best for you. Yeah. And for me, curiosity has such a non-judgmental flavor to it because there's no, there's no like needed outcome. There's no pushing away or pulling. It's just like, ah, isn't that really interesting that I wanted to do that thing that society tells me is wrong. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So then how do you use these like curiosity and playfulness um, through like building a, a really successful business that you are mm, oh successful my. in quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to give a little context um, for your listeners, I've been in business for myself for this, this will be my third year. Uh, it's been like two years and three months now that I've been working for myself. And prior to that, I was a social worker. I was doing therapy and crisis intervention. And so working for, and I don't really have a, 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 nobody in my immediate family has run their own business and I don't come from business training. So I've, it's, it's the whole entire thing has been like, choose your own adventure, learn as you go. I've needed to stay curious. Mm-hmm. otherwise if I if I was listening to the voice that said you need to be competent at something before you do it I never would have left my job to do this because there were so many parts of me that didn't feel competent at what I was doing I felt competent in my capacity to co-facilitate a space and to conjure aliveness and openness with clients but to run a business it's a whole other thing you know it's a whole other um, skill set essentially, that I was not familiar with. So my sense of humor and playfulness, I, I, over the last three years, have developed a character. (laughs) And this particular character, when I call her forward, is really silly. She makes lots of silly faces. She talks in really silly accents. And I call on her every time I feel my body going into anxiety and contraction and tightness over my business. And I just narrate how I'm feeling through her character. So like, I'll like get really silly. I'll start walking around my house funny. I'll start talking to myself funny. And what it does is it brings in Mary's lightness with the heaviness that I'm feeling around my business. And I, I do this when I'm marketing things. I do this with client conflict, if and when it ever arises. Uh, and I do this, I cycle through anxiety every so often in running a business. I feel like it's par for the course because you're oh, things are always shifting. It's like unpredictable by its nature. You know, so my ego is constantly like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> like, I'd rather there to be some consistency. And so, but even in just what I did right there, as I kind of cheekily made fun of my ego, I gave it a voice and I was like, right, I do that. (laughs) And when I can animate these different layers of myself, one, they feel seen and heard. Two, it's also funny. 
So it kind of frees up some, some energy. Uh, and I do that off and on throughout, <laughs> throughout the course of a day or a month, depending on how I'm feeling and what's alive for me. And I teach my clients how to do it as well. Because I think that if you know we all took ourselves less seriously, we'd have so much more creative energy available. Uh, why do you think that the like the seriousness gets in the way of that? Well, I think there's a like a fine line between committing to something, devoting to your business, and saying I am a business person and I'm going to take this seriously, as in. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to pay my time. I'm going to pay money and invest in this, right? There's nothing wrong, not even not wrong, but like there's nothing limiting or draining about that. Um, it's the seriousness that shows up when we start spinning and resisting things that we have literally no control over. Um, like, I don't know who my next client is going to be. And there's no way that I can predict exactly who that's going to be. Right. And so to the extent that I'm ruminating over that, I'm taking myself too seriously. <laughs> right. And so I find that when we start to spend a lot of time and energy, like I said, on things that we can't control, we're taking time and energy away from our creative, intuitive channel. And this is where for me, it's this dance of playing in the more flowy some people would use the term feminine but like the more flowy creative aspect of our nature versus the more structured aspect of our nature and so when I feel like I'm becoming too top heavy with structure and I know that that's happening when I'm saying things like I should be doing this and I should be doing that um, or I'm sitting at my computer and I can feel my body tensing and I'm wondering what people are thinking about me I know that I'm taking myself too seriously. Mm. And the moment I start to laugh about it and take 10 steps back from it, um, I start to breathe deeper. I start to move that energy through my body. And in the space that that creates, inevitably I'll have like some fun idea. I'm like, well, either I'll talk about it online and just share my humanness, which is always magnetic, or I'll just completely pivot and go focus on something else. And in the space that that creates an idea for a marketing thing or a client interaction will come through. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of the space of the realm that I play in business. Uh, I love that idea of like of bringing forth the parts and kind of playing with them. Cause I think I do something similar. And when, when I can see these parts of myself, it's that it's that playfulness and it's again that non-judge non-judgmental space of curiosity like it's it brings a humor to these parts of ourselves that that think that things are really serious and they need to look a certain way mm -hmm. um so playfulness seems to be like a big thing on my mind that the world probably could benefit from more of mm -hmm. <laughs> um and I think that's something that seems to be very alive in you as well. What do you think the world could look like if we, if a lot of us embraced more play and like kind of like ran, like actually did life more playfully through all aspects, not just um, something that's separate, you know, at school. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is work time and this is play time. 
but I love the idea of everything just becoming playful and everything becoming a dance and an expression and a yeah oh gosh well I mean if everyone was adopting that (laughs) holy holy (laughs) hard to even imagine but if I was going to imagine it it'd be like it'd be like your favorite uncle <laughs> or aunt which is every, like connecting with everybody and like I feel like the the world would have more of a familial uh, sense there'd be more inherent connection between people um, because there would be less fear you know play as I mentioned is this leap into the unknown it's this uh, dance with spontaneity and in order to play you must be present yes and in presence uh, there is this inherent sense of, oh, I've got myself, like things are like when we're present. And as, as long as we're not living in, you know, a war-torn country or like a, a, a unsafe space, generally we're aware that we are safe in the present. When we come into the present moment, it's like, whoa, okay, I'm here. My body's here. Everything's here. And play can be need practice for especially for people who struggle with being in their body and being present like coming into the present moment doesn't always feel safe initially for a lot of people right but if that was the practice and if that was the norm and the culture then I do believe that there would be this elevated sense of safety and connection with each other and because in order for somebody to live a life, or at least I'll speak for myself, right? Because that's what I was just saying, that it's really the only place I can speak from with any authority. When I live from a space of playfulness, when I infuse that into my work, like as a lifestyle, as a filter that I'm experiencing the world from, I'm less likely to take other people's projections and stuff personally as well. And I think that's happening a lot more lately because so many people's understandings of the world and each other are getting flipped upside down or we're seeing a lot more perspective we're seeing a lot more trigger and so there's a lot more opportunity for our the places inside us that we haven't fully embraced uh, to show up and ask for for attention so there's this twofold thing like when i'm playing with myself and i'm tuning into myself One, I'm more capable of seeing, acknowledging, and nurturing the parts of me that before play, I would want to hide away from other people. I would be ashamed of. I'd be like, oh, don't look at that part of me. Ew, that part of me doesn't exist. That's only outside of me. That's only in you. That's not in me, right? But the more playful I can become, and there's also a normalization of shame. I think that occurs here as well, that is important to speak to. That's something that I actively work on. It's like, we all have these layers. We all have shame, right? And so in in that um, ability to play with myself, I then can dance and play with the energy of other people and see it for what it is. Like, oh, that's just them rejecting themselves. Um, And I'm not going to go into the drama that I would go into prior, right? Around taking on the projection and getting really about it. And if I do, if I do, then that's another thing to laugh about, right? Because it's hilarious how we do that as well, 
right? We take on the projections of other people. We, we dramatize it. We go into our victim. We get all like, oh my God, I can't believe, right? And then the moment you catch that, <laughs> the moment you catch yourself in character, it's an opportunity to laugh at it and validate it and talk to it and maybe take on another character and have a conversation with yourself. So for me, play is also is heavily about self-awareness and bringing silliness into self-awareness. And you mentioned something about shame, which I'd love to hear more about. How do you think the playfulness kind of um, interacts with shame? I believe that it liberates it for me. Like, and for me, I've had two distinct experiences with liberating shame. The first experience had to do with the variables of being witnessed in expressing shame. So actually speaking into the parts of me that felt it like saying like, I've done this and I'm ashamed or I feel this or I have these thoughts that bring me shame and speaking it in a safe space. So speaking it to a mentor, speaking it out. I was in a workshop when this particular memory that I'm referencing occurred and allowing myself to cry and and really feel unsafe in my body around it. Like when I say unsafe, um, I still had resources to stay present, but I was triggered in that I, my nervous system was activated. I was crying, I was shaking and being witnessed in speaking these pieces of me out loud. And it was the quality of the witnessing. Like they were, there was so much love. They were just like, yeah, it's okay. We see you, we love you. And then everybody else did the same thing with their version of shame. So there was a witnessing, that was one of the variables. There was a sharing of shame. Um, So that was the second really powerful variable. And so, and then playfulness. Once I had an experience of being witnessed and then seeing that, oh my goodness, everybody has some like really weird, warped, effed up, stuff that they're holding like it's not just me like we're all wow <laughs> you know <laughs> wow because <laughs> some of the stuff that were shared I was like oh I would never have you know that's not what I would have seen or thought but to know that that's something everybody's carrying um gave me permission for some, I don't know how I don't know the mechanics of it but it unlocked playfulness for me around shame I was like oh my gosh this is hilarious that we're all walking around thinking that we're special in our shame. How <laughs> we're the only funny. one. Like we're the only ones. I, there was just this cosmic irony about it that I was able to access once I had that experience of being witnessed and then the sharing element. I was like, this is funny. We need to talk about shame. Yeah. <laughs> I got all like Brene Brown. Uh-huh. <laughs> talk about shame. We all have it. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I remember from our session was like this, okay, there's a part of me that's disgusted by some things that I've done. And that's also okay. Like, I don't need, I can accept the part of me that can't accept that part of me. And it's like all these layers. And then you're like, wow, this is just ridiculous. Like, yeah. like get, sometimes I love to get lost in the kind of overanalysis and seeing all the different parts. And then it's like, totally. oh, actually nothing really matters. Yeah. And like, just, just to continue normalizing it for your listeners, like some of the stuff that nobody will know who these people are, but like some of the stuff that was shared was like, had to do with rape 
like being on the receiving end, the other, like the perpetrating end of it mm-hmm. had to do with like incestual thoughts or, or like interfamily stuff. Um, my stuff had to do with porn addiction and like the, the flavor of porn that I was into and watching. Right. And, and Carolyn Elliott, the woman we, we both follow in her community, Existential Kink, that book, she just, she talks about, I find her work to be super uh, liberating because her axiom is like bring kink into the shadow, right? Like there's a part of us that gets off on our shame, right? Subconsciously gets off on our shame. And I find that to be genius because the second I think about having a sexual kink or like a pleasurable kink for things that feel really taboo, um, I start to giggle because I'm like, that is absolutely hilarious because there, there totally is this attraction to the taboo, this inherent attraction to the taboo. And if any of us that have ever experienced adolescence know what that is, we always want to do what we're told not to do. There's always this attraction. Like if somebody says no, we're like, oh, I want to do that. Right. This inherent rebellion within us. And so I find that the more we normalize that and and the more we recognize that that doesn't ever go away, (laughs) there will always be a little bit of that in us or a lot of it in us. Um, Yeah, the more space we can hold around it because we're not taking up so much energy trying to hide it. It takes Uh a lot of energy to resist, to hide and to bury those parts of ourselves. And the beauty in embracing them is that it doesn't give them any more power over us there's this myth that people are like oh my god if I fo-. and it, it comes from a lot of law of attraction spaces where they're like ew if, if I focus on the thing I'm gonna get more of it it's like not necessarily I had a coach say something that really resonated which was that we attract from what we resist we're pulling mm. things in based on what we're resisting which is also Carolyn's axiom of like the resistance energy is actually quite powerful And the moment we change the resistance we're holding to acceptance, it neutralizes it. It it no longer has like polarity anymore. It it just is. And then it frees up more space for us to focus on those desires that actually are going to sustainably support our sense of thriving and fulfillment. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, something I find really really um, transformative for like noticing all these parts of myself and the shame and the resistance is 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 creativity is writing weird well not weird but writing poems that I maybe would cringe at the thought of the public seeing and then actually just sharing them anyway and and moving and singing and and letting these parts like you've said before be seen and heard Mm-hmm. and know that they're accepted and I'm not trying to get rid of them although there is sometimes this underlying wisdom that I know once I bring them to the surface they will change or something will change mm-hmm. and I think that's the beauty of play is is not knowing what's going to come out not knowing what you're going to look like and like and being okay with that and <laughs> knowing that each individual expression is is just a tiny fragment that's never going to be the same again exactly yeah yeah ah so if someone was listening to this um and they thought okay yeah I want to I want to invite more play and and, um, wonder 
into my life, I feel a bit stuck in the seriousness of things or the burden of things or shame. Do you have any words for them of how they could possibly do that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I always love to start people with some sort of sensory prescription to start igniting both a connection to their body uh, and a connection to wonder. So I have people create a little list, whatever senses they have access to, right? So even if for whatever reason, like you can't hear or you can't see or you can't taste, <clears throat> coming up with a little list of things that you loved to smell, scents that you loved to smell when you were a child, things that evoke a sense of openness within you. And if you don't have memories of being a child, some people don't because of trauma, that's again, a normal like protective element of the brain. It just boxes that stuff off. But starting to get curious about smells that create a sense of calm in your body, anything that, any colors that create a sense of wonder or visuals. So I'll give you some examples. Like for me, rainbows, like the, the prisms, prismic rainbows, um, evoke wonder. So I have gone to, I'll get like either on Amazon or like a metaphysical shop, a little window crystal, put it where there's sun. And then when the day light comes, it just scatters little <laughs> rainbows around my room. And that evokes wonder for me. Um, I also have a lot of wax melts or incense that has like a citrusy smell to it that evokes a sense of like summer for me, which evokes a an open nervous system experience. Um, colors, I tend to surround myself with oranges and blues and yellows, things that mimic the sunrise or the sunset because that evokes wonder. And lots of plants. I know there's a little plant behind me. I've got like 50 plants in my house, but even just one, I started with one plant <laughs> at some point. And so I, I decorate my space with very simple things that trigger a sense of either being a child or wonder, my connection to nature, my connection to mystery. And that's going to look different for every person. Um, but starting to have some sensory things, because our senses are a portal to the present moment. Again, you need to be present in order to play. So starting to connect with your environment through your senses and having a prescription that evokes a sense of calm or wonder. Um, I've either, I've often like kept rocks nearby and I'll just stare at the rock like we did when we were kids and look at all of the crevices in the rock and just play with evoking wonder and remembering what it was like to stare at a leaf or stare at, you know, put your bark, your nose up against the bark of a tree and stare at the details. Um, so that's another fun practice too, is to take a normal everyday object in your house and look at it like you've never looked at it before. That's a fun little game I like to play. It's like even the cup I'm holding right now for my coffee is a mug that has like that that like dripped look to it right it's like ceramic drip and it's pretty but like if I actually were to stare at it for even just a minute I would see the coolest patterns that I would have just brushed over right and so finding magic in the, the mundane details of things is a beautiful way to start familiarizing yourself with the energy of wonder and curiosity and seeing things from different perspectives, because that's what play allows us to do. 
play allows us to see things from different perspectives. So if we actively engage in looking at things from different perspectives, whether it's up close or we lay upside down on our couch and we pretend that the ceiling is the floor and we just do that for a moment, right? like some of us used to do as kids, it can have a transformative effect on our whole system. Yeah, I think when we forget the like specialness within the small details is when um, we can overconsume. Like I'll I'll want to listen I'll listen to a podcast and I want to listen to ten more rather than sitting and contemplating what I've just listened to or I'll feel bored with what's around me so I want to go out and buy things mm. rather than like you said looking at the tiny details even of just of your own hands and and by really honing in on what's in front of us mm-hmm. a whole new world opens up without trying to externally grasp. The things to fulfill this mm. this I guess eternal oh not maybe not eternal but this this hunger we have for mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. for exploration and for discovery yeah I have this vision as you're speaking of like of myself just trying to grab all of these reference points all of these like pieces of information and pull them together and try to figure out like oh my it's like um there's this there's this piece of quantum physics and I'm trying to remember exactly, I think it's a kaleidoscope actually, where if you were to cut up, I don't know if it's, if it's like an actual kaleidoscope or because I was at a, a particular um, conference a couple of weeks back and they were talking about like, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a cell. So like, just play along with me and assume like the details don't don't necessarily matter even though ironically that's the whole point of what I'm about to say just like <laughs> if <laughs> this collide you start about this kaleidoscope right and how when you cut fragments of this kaleidoscope the pattern of the entire kaleidoscope was in the fragments that broke off right so you'd still see the entire like pattern of it right and then if you smashed that fragment into a million pieces each of those million pieces would still have the blueprint of the entire kaleidoscope in it right and so for for so many of us and for myself especially is like I've spent a lot of my life trying to like gather all of these pieces thinking that I need them all to see the pattern of the kaleidoscope it's like I gotta gotta catch all the missing pieces of the kaleidoscope put them together figure it out without recognizing that oh my god actually all I need is like the a pinpoint piece and if mm-hmm. i just spent enough time staring into that pinpoint piece and studying that pinpoint piece i would see the pattern of the whole in that mm-hmm. tiny little piece and that's what it feels like when i play with marinating in the details and marinating in the mundane and why i say less is more because there is so much of the mystery and the wisdom of the mystery in those micro moments mm-hmm. that can be, that can be gleaned it's like oh it's just exciting <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's the um the holographic yes card like in a hologram that um, mm-hmm. maybe with a kaleidoscope too yeah. yeah i notice that i have so much self discovery when i notice the habits of how i brush my teeth or mm-hmm. the way that i don't do the washing up or you know just these really mundane things 
and often it's like I felt like I needed to travel the world which of course was also equally profound but mm -hmm. I can have just as much transformation and self-reflection by just looking at my day-to-day -day habits or by mm -hmm. observing the tiniest little patch of soil and seeing how the shadow changed you know just these random details when you get really super curious yes can teach you secrets of the universe yes exactly <laughs> amazing so um what kind of work are you doing with people at the moment if people wanted to hear more about your stuff or work with you yeah so right now i have two primary offerings so one of them is my most accessible offering, I have a little community called Voyagers and we do, I call it my gym membership for the nervous system. So it's basically a, a space where we do a lot of breath work. So transformational breath work to open up the nervous system to wonder and clarity. And the particular type of breath work that I do is similar to rebirthing or holotropic breath work where you're hyper oxygenating the body. And when we hyper-oxygenate the body, we have the capacity to change our brain waves to theta or delta. And essentially what that means is we can access more mystical experiences, we can access more clarity of intuition, and then the body goes into an alkaline healing state. So I love it because you are the medicine in these particular ceremonies. It's organic, anybody can do it. Um, and I do multiple ceremonies a month as well as I go in there and I give little content bites on inner child healing or play alchemy courage things like that um so that's my that's like probably the best place to go if you just want a flavor or a taste of the work that i do um, and that's 25 dollars a month so if you've never done breath work and you just want to try it out there's no contract so you can pop in there or you can message me and we can chat about it beforehand um, my website's theartofaliveness.com and then my email is theartofaliveness at gmail.com. Uh, and then the other way of accessing me is through those inner child alchemy sessions, like the one you did. Uh, you can sign up for one of those on my website. And those are beautiful 75 to 90 minute portals where you get a lot of one-to-one -one work. Uh, and we're working at the different layers of your system. So we're working to unlock childhood trauma in the body, to liberate it energetically, uh, to talk about what it would look like if you were living with a nervous system that embraced more of who you are and felt more safer, connected, present in your day-to-day -day life. And it's a lovely way to just get a flavor for those, those deeper journeys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's similar to the witnessing for me being seen in those parts of yourself in a safe environment, just by mm -hmm. one other person, mm -hmm. then kind of, reminded my body like oh it's actually safe and acceptable for me to be seen in this part of me by anyone yes yes beautiful yeah 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 it's it's such a um gosh it's such a gorgeous a lot of so i i do a lot of long-term work i tend to like i said in the beginning work with entrepreneurs to integrate play into their business but a lot of my longer-term clients will say the witnessing effect is some of the most powerful, it's, it's one of the most powerful pieces of the work that we do together. It's just the ability to bring anything and everything into session and to be held in unconditional love mm -hmm. has its own alchemical piece to it. Yeah, yeah. There's something so 
potent in witnessing that I kind of think I can logically understand, but there's so much under the surface that I'm still not quite sure how it is so powerful as it is. But I guess that's part of the wonder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. There were so many like things that you said that my mind was like, oh, I want to ask more about that and then this and but I guess that's also part of the dance. It's mm. like, you don't need to grasp onto everything mm. that you see. I can just trust that what was said was what needed to be heard. Mm-hmm. And you can like, like the, um, kind of like the kaleidoscope, you can never get all of the pieces anyway. <laughs> so there's always yeah. gonna be more questions and, yeah. and sitting in that surrender of like, not knowing it all, not having it all. Yeah. Is, um, is a beautiful practice and a learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you so much for all that you've shared. You've really ignited even more wonder in me and I'm definitely going to be checking out some of the objects in my room today and just <laughs> sitting with them. Gorgeous. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we close? <sighs> yeah. I, I would love to remind the listeners that they've already received exactly what they've needed to receive just to echo what you just said like they've already received whatever they needed to receive and to trust that they're going to integrate anything that they needed to hear organically and easily yeah and just to trust whatever sparked for them in in our conversation like it's enough (laughs) take that little piece and play with it yes yes rather than like oh now I've got this now I need to yeah or which I used to do <laughs> like, yeah oh amazing well thank you so much thank you to everyone for listening and um yeah why not um try picking up an object in your room and just sitting with it for a while and gazing into the wonder of mm. beauty of life <laughs> yeah Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Paving the Ways podcast. If you like this episode, please support me by leaving a review, subscribing and sharing with someone you think may enjoy this conversation. All of your support really goes a long way with small podcasts, so I appreciate every bit of your help. I would love to hear your favorite parts of the conversation via Instagram or email. And if you want to see what I'm up to at the moment, check out my website, georgiearabella.com. For now, keep dreaming big, keep taking steps from your heart and pave your own way to a more blissful here and now.